podcast. I I was it felt like it's been forever since I last recorded an episode and I looked and it was exactly a week ago. And so it looks like I'm accidentally becoming a you know, a podcast with a regular schedule. But I promise it's completely on accident. Though, to be fair, uh, I had last one, I had last Thursday off, and I had this Thursday off, so maybe there's some relation there? I don't know. I'm too tired on the days I work to actually do anything. I slept most of today. Um, before I get started, I, I, I posted something on Twitter earlier, and no one really responded, and I, not, I just, I wanted to talk about it here really briefly. I actually, I posted this on Facebook, and then I screenshot it and put it on Twitter, on the podcast Twitter account. So basically, um, my vision has, I, I'm supposed to be wearing glasses, I and I was wearing glasses until back in June. I have updates available for the software. I'm... Every time I record, it's like, hey, you've got updates. Like, I've already updated. I'm not doing it again while I'm recording. You silly goose. Anyway, I had glasses up until this past June. Uh, where I work, we're required to wear masks, as most places do require. And they would make my glasses fog up. So I would put them, I would hide them near the register. And... Because that's where I'm going to be. I'm going to be by the register most of the time anyway. So just leave them there. And when I go, pick them up. Well, one day back in June, I went to go get them. And someone had taken them. And... Yeah. They... Uh, I told the manager. And she goes, who steals prescription glasses? And I'm like, that's what I was saying. So she checked the camera. And as you know, as my luck would have it. I put it in one of the... F- not one of the few blind spots... Um, because where I put it, you can't really see, there's something in the way of the camera, and you can't really see what's in the way, you can't see what's behind the thing, and, and so, oh, there goes my computer, that does not take long, as soon as I hit record. And so, I've been about my podcast, I've been with, wow, I've, (laughs) I've been without my glasses since June, which I, like, more than six months, seven months by now? I don't know. That's getting louder. Uh, but anyway, at first it wasn't that big of a deal because I could still see it as things were a little further away. It's, it's not a big deal. But as time goes on, it's slowly getting worse to the point where s- sometimes I can't even see my phone screen and it's right in front of me. I have to like put it out and, and I can't see anything. And like the other day, I was trying to, I was checking dates on products in the store and I couldn't see them I, I I literally had to pull out my phone open up the camera put on the super macro mode which lets you get really close I take a picture of the dates on all these products and I zoom in and I go like, oh okay that one's out of date that one sounds good I couldn't see them with my naked eye because my vision was that bad. And I told the manager. She was, she was like, why are you taking pictures of everything? I'm like, um. I had to tell her. And she's like, well, that's not good. Well, I finally scheduled an appointment. There was this place I've never heard of it before. A really good friend of mine. Uh, 
Actually, Sarah, the one on the, uh, my first guest, I was telling her about it. And she was told me about this place called America's Best. And, uh, they have free eye exam. And you have, you get two frames for $70, which is really good, actually. <laughs> so, I have an appointment for the 3rd of February. scheduled that today. And that's what the screenshot was about, like, explaining that. Saying it might affect my episodes a little bit. So, yeah, thought I would address that first. I don't think anyone saw the post because usually people like my posts. And that's like the first post in a while no one's interacted with in four days. Oh, okay. Okay, so this one from four days ago, I really was hoping somebody would comment. I wanted someone to like argue with me about it or agree with me on it. Because I usually when I tell people this... Uh, I get a lot of arguments saying, I disagree. Okay, so basically, I'm just going to read the tweet. Okay, so I might be alone in this, but I've always said that if they ever make a live-action Carmen Sandiego movie, the perfect choice for the title role would be Elizabeth Hurley. Been saying that for over 20 years, and I hope it happens. I, I, I just think she'd be perfect for the role. But anyway, um, this episode, I actually... I th <laughs> thought about it for a while. Uh, I I was like I don't I don't know if it would be interesting enough, but I've been reading about it a little bit, and yeah, it actually is. I might have enough content for a full episode, and I thought I actually thought about it while I was making an episode on the Bridge Stories episode. I was talking about London Bridge, and. I was I kept wanting to make references to the you know the London Bridge is falling down, and I I was like nope, nope I might do an episode someday and nope I might do an episode someday, so um I was kind of looking into it and I I was gonna just do an episode on the London Bridge song. There's not a whole lot there. I was like oh okay maybe not, but then I was like what about this nursery rhymes in general. Because there's, I know there's a lot of, you know, they famously have a lot of dark origins, so, and like tonight I was, I was, uh, I was watching, uh, I've actually, I'm a little behind on the Kindle Rays, on Kindle Rays videos, uh, uh, I was seven videos behind. To, and today is my day off and I was like what do I do what do I do and then her new video today which is about Elizabeth Smart I don't know if it's the new video as I don't know if she posted it today you know but like it was in my recommended and I was like oh well, I don't think I've caught up on her videos and I went to her channel and I'm like oh wow yeah I'm way behind so I'll be catching up on Kendall Ray's video today and I don't know what she said I don't think she directly mentioned the Pied Piper but something she said at one point during one of those seven videos made me think of the Pied Piper. And I I started looking and I realized I actually did a, I, I, I mentioned on my, on, on here before, years ago, I, you know, I've maintained a blog and I would do a post every single day on something random. And that lasted a little over a month. So I have a lot of old posts and Sometimes I'll scroll through them looking for inspiration for, like, maybe I can talk about this. And in fact, that's actually how I got one of my episodes, is I was going through, and I, actually I can find, probably, 
Alright, let's see. I can probably go through here and remember which which one it was. The I don't remember. I did a I did an episode on here that originated as one of my blog posts and I don't remember wait, was it my thoughts? I don't know, but one of my posts one of my old blog posts inspired uh, no, I'm not seeing. I don't know. Anyway, um, so I was looking through those old random posts again, thinking, hey, maybe I'll find some inspiration. And then I saw, I actually wrote about the Pied Piper. Oh, okay. <laughs> and it's in the miscellaneous section. Nostalgic books. That, that led to the episode about nostalgic books. But anyway... In the random facts section, there I did a post about the Pied Piper of Hamilton, of Hamblin, not Hamilton. Uh, let's see, what date was this? October twenty seventh, twenty twelve. Uh, yeah, it was the it was about the Pied Piper of Hamelin in Germany. And yeah, I was reading my old post. I don't remember. Like, I don't. I wrote it almost ten years ago, nine years ago. Next year will be ten. I was reading. The, I don't remember reading. I don't remember writing any of this. But I was like, <laughs> I was like, wow, this this could be turned into an episode. If only I could think of ways to add to it. And then I remember the London Bridge thing, and I'm like, wait. So, I'm doing nursery rhymes today, <laughs> or at least the origins of nursery rhymes the dark origins so I'm gonna start with the I'm just gonna read what I wrote nine years ago with rosy cheeks and flaxen curls the sparkling eyes and teeth like pearls uh, tripping and skipping merrily uh, run run merrily after the wonderful music a shouting and laughter from the Pied Piper of Hamelin by Robert Browning I didn't have the whole thing written Okay, most of us grew up hearing the story of the Pied Piper, which, oh yeah, um, if you hear the beeping from the smoke detector, um, I did a TikTok video the other day where, something just fell, I did a TikTok video the other day where somebody could hear it and they're like, hey, you need to change the battery in that, uh, yeah, that's on the landlord, she gets mad at us if we try it, but then she won't do it, so, if you hear the beeping of the smoke detector and getting battery changed, don't at me. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, uh, there it is again. The Pied Piper about uh, you, we've, most of us grew up hearing the story of the Pied Piper about how the village was suffering from a rat problem until the Pied Piper offered to rid them of the problem, which he did by playing his magic flute. When he went to retrieve his payment, the villagers refused. So to get back at the villagers, he used his magic flute to make the children follow him out of the village to hide in a cave until the villagers agreed to pay him. This is the story I heard as a kid, although I have heard other variations over the years. But what if I told you that this that the fairy tale was actually a true story? In 1285, the German village of Hamelin, which I misspelled in my post, had a serious rat problem. A mysterious man appeared one day. Many believe him to have been Nicholas of Cologne. 
Alf offering to rid the village of the rats, he made an agreement with the mayor of Hamelin, which I spelled right this time, uh, that he would get paid if he rid the village of the rats. It is said that he used his flute, whether magical or just really good at playing, I'll leave that for you to decide, and lured the rats into the Weser River. When the piper went to the mayor for his payment, the mayor refused to pay him, denying they had an agreement. That night, the 26th of June, 1284. Now I have a conflicting statement, because I said in 1285, and I'm saying 1284. Just go with it. It was a really long time ago. That's all that matters. The piper used his flute to have the 300 and, I mean, the, wow, the 130 village children out of the village to lure that many children out of the village. What happened next has been left out of most versions of the tale and replaced with a happy ending. The piper led most of the children to the same river he led the rats to and had those children drown themselves. The few he didn't drown, he took to the top of Koppelberg Hill and killed them. However, one child was able to get away, and he told the villager and told the villagers what had happened. By the time they caught up with the piper, it was too late. Modern day Hamelin holds reenactments every Sunday in the summer. That's what I wrote. And then if you skip over to the Wikipedia page, you will see I am on the wrong page. I need to switch back to the Pied Piper right here. Modern day Hamelin continues to maintain information about the Pied Piper, legend, and possible origin of its story on its website. Interest in the city's connection to the story remained so strong that in 2009, Hamelin had held a tourist festival to mark the 725th anniversary of the disappearance of the town's earlier children. The Rat Catcher's House is popular with visitors, although it bears no connection to the Rat Catcher's version of the legend. Indeed, the really long name I'm not even going to try to pronounce is instead associated with the story due to the earlier in inscription upon its facade. Mentioning the legend, the house was built much later in 1602 and 1603. It is now a Hamlin City-owned restaurant with a Pied Piper-themed throughout. The city also remains and uh, maintains an online shop with rat-themed merchandise, as well as offering an officially licensed Hamelin ed edition of the popular game Monopoly, which depicts the legendary Pied Piper on the cover. Actually, I want to see when was it actually it had, well, what day did it actually happen? The year was it four or five? I will see it. Ah, in 1294, while the town of Hamlin was suffering from a rat infestation, the piper dressed in multicolored, or pied, clothing appeared, claiming to be a rat catcher. He promised the mayor a solution to their problem with the rats. The mayor, in turn, promised to pay him for the removal of the rats. According to some versions of the story, the promised sum was 1,000 guilders. The piper accepted and played the, uh, his pipe to lure the rats into the, the Weser 
River where they all drowned. Despite the Piper's success, the mayor. Uh, right now, I can. I've been struggling to read this whole time. <laughs> um. It looks like revenge, but I can't see it that well. Revenged on his promise. I don't think it's revenged. Anyway, and refused to pay him the full sum. Reputedly reduced the sum to 50 guilders. So, he did pay him. It's not like he didn't. It's just like in Spider-Man. You know, he was promised so much, but he was only given a little. Because the fight did too quickly or something. Anyway... Even going so far as to blame the Piper for bringing the rats himself in an, an extortion attempt. Enraged, the Piper stormed out of the town, vowing to return later to take revenge. Okay, that word is revenge. What's the other word? I can't focus enough on it. I don't know. When I get glasses, I'll come back and I'll figure out what that word is. I can't see it properly. On St. John and Paul's Day, the adults were in church. The Piper returned dressed in green like a hunter and playing his, his his pipe. In doing so, he attracted the town's children. 130 children followed him out of town and into a cave and were never seen again. Depending on the version, at most three children remained behind. Other versions re uh, relate that the Pied Piper led the children to the top of the Koppelberg Hill, that one I just read earlier. Or he took them to a beautiful land, or a place called Koffelberg Mountain, or Transylvania. And he made him walk into the weather that he did with the rats, and they all drowned. And then he killed them on that thing. So the Pied Piper story is not necessarily a happy story. Basically someone does something for you, you promise that you're going to pay them, you should probably pay them. Not trying to justify what the Pied Piper did, just saying... I'm not saying it is justified, just saying if you owe someone, you should probably not go back on your promise. Now I'm going to go talk about the London Bridge. <laughs> L.A. Town is falling down to the ground all around. We won't let it get. We won't let it get us down. We are Californians. I remember that better than I do the actual song. Now I haven't. Uh, that was the Animaniacs back in the '90s, and I, I, I know. <laughs> okay, so apparently the actual version is London Bridge is falling down, falling down, falling down. London Bridge is falling down, my fair lady. I prefer the Animaniacs version. Alright, so apparently I'm trying to see the... I'm trying to find the origin. I had it. I had it on here. And there's, there's London Bridge reconstructed in Arizona. That's the one I talked about. It's the modern London Bridge. Alright, I should probably look up the content section. Ah, oh, there we go. Origins. Apparently it was referencing... Alright, these are words I can't see properly because of the vision thing. 
Okay. Oh, one hypothesis of the origin is that the the rhyme relates to the supposed destruction of London Bridge by Olaf II of Norway in 1014. The 19th century translation of the Norse saga, the can't read it, published by Samuel Lang in 1844, included a verse by can't pronounce that looks very similar to the nursery rhyme. And I'm seeing a section here about child sacrifice. Uh, okay, so for this one I just glimpsed. I, I figured it would just be about, hey, it fell, and then all that. Alright, so I'm probably just going to skip the rest of this, because I, <laughs> I did say that the whole glasses thing was going to affect the episodes. I can't read much of this. I'm, <laughs> so, I'm going to skip this one, maybe come back to it later. Okay, so I looked up Ring Around the Rosie, and apparently, I've been saying it wrong, I've been saying Ring Around the Rosie, and I think that's what everyone says, apparently it's Ring a Ring a Rosies. No, not even Rosies, Ring a Ring a Roses. So, Mandela Effect? I don't know. <laughs> uh, let's see, what is it about? I know what it's about, but I want to see what this thing says it's about. Let's see. Meaning, there it is. The origins and meanings of the game have long been unknown and subject to speculation. Folklore scholars, however... Reject, no, reject, I can't read the, regard the Great Plague explanation has been the most common since the mid-20th century as baseless. Well, I'll figure this one to be the easiest nursery room to cover because everyone knows that this song is about the Black Plague. But this says that it's baseless. In 18, I think that's 89, 98, one of those... A dictionary of British folklore contained the belief that an explanation of the game was of pagan origin based on the Sheffield glossary comparison of John Grom's Dutch mythology. Uh, I really shouldn't be recording it. I was right now because like I'm probably I'm gonna get glasses and come back and reread these Wikipedia articles and be like, wow, this is way off. The theory states that it is in reference to a pagan myth, and cited a passage which states, "Gifted children of fortune have the power to laugh roses." As Freya wept gold, it claimed the first instance to be indicative of pagan beings of light. Another suggestion, wait, I wonder if, no, I can't, can't pinch the screen in the Wikipedia app, so, nope, that's, wait, but I can probably, wait, oh, I can make the text bigger, ah, I did not know that, <laughs> another early printing of the rhyme, this is not where I was, 
Okay, origins and meanings of the game, theories in the 19th century. Oh, okay. Oh, wait. I want to know what that word was. Let's see. Earlier that I couldn't read, what was it? Uh, I think it was in... Uh, I don't remember. The Pied Piper. There we go. I want to know that word that I couldn't read earlier. Ah, the mayor. Wait, that's a word I still don't know. Renege, R E N E G E D. Actually, I want to see if define. There we go. Simple past tense and past pred of renege. Okay, what does the word mean? To break a promise or commitment. Oh, that that. That's all it means? I mean, it's obvious, because that's what the mayor did, but still. Anyway. Story states is this. Is the thing. It claimed the first instance to be indicative of pagan beings of light. Another suggestion is more literal, that it was making a ring around the roses and bowing with the all fall down as a curtsy. In 1892, the American writer Eugene Field wrote a poem titled Teeny Weeny that specifically referred to fey folk playing a ring of rosy. According to Games and Songs of American Children, published in 1883, the rosy was a reference to the French word rose tree, and the children would dance and stoop to the person in the center. Variations, especially more literal ones, were identified and noted with the literal falling down that would sever the connections to the game rhyme. Again, in 1898, sneezing was then noted to be indicative of many superstitious and supernatural beliefs across different cultures. The Great Plague Explanation of the 20th Century Since after the Second World War, the rhyme has often been associated with the Great Plague, which happened in England in 1665, or with earlier outbreaks of the Black Death in England. Interpreters of the rhyme before World War II make no mention of this. By 1951, however, it seems to have become well established as an explanation for the form of the rhyme that was... Uh, oh, there's people outside my door. You probably hear them. Uh, standard need by any kingdom leading to the authorities and nursery rhymes remarked that... Uh, oh, something more recent. In March 2020, during the early stages of the COVID-19 pandemic of the United Kingdom, the traditional rhyme was jokingly proposed as the ideal choice of song to accompany hand-washing in order to ward off infections. <laughs> that is... I remember that. <laughs> So, uh, my life's a lie. Uh, it's not called Ring Around the Rosie. It's Ring a Ring a Roses. And I just got a notification from the um, Epic Game Store that Battlefront 2 is now free. So, I'm gonna go grab me that real fast while we, while we talk. Okay, that is loading. I'm going back to my phone. Okay, so... Three blind mice.
This one I I glanced at briefly. Version of the rhyme. There is. Oh wait, okay. Star Wars Battlefront 2 Celebration Edition. Get. I think it's loading. It says it's loading. I hope it's loading. I tend to have problems with the Epic Game Store where it doesn't want to work, but then it's like, we're working on it. And I'm like, no, you're not. It's been three hours. It's on the same page. The page. All right, three blind mice. Origins and meaning. A version of this rhyme, together with music in a minor key, minor key, was published in, can't pronounce that or that, the editor of this book, possible author of the rhyme, wait, okay, attempts to read historical significance of the words have led to the speculation that this musical round was written earlier and refers to Queen Mary I of England blinding and executing three Protestant bishops. However, the Oxford martyr, Martyrs, Martyrs, Ridley, Latimer, and Cranmer were burned at the stake, not blinded. Although, if the rhyme was made by crypto-Catholics, the mice's blindness would refer to their Protestantism. However, as can be seen above, the earliest lyrics did not talk about harming the three blind mice, and the first known... Loading your order. And the first known... Where was I? Date of publication is 1609, well after Mary Queen Mary died. The rhyme only entered the children's literature in 1842, when it was published in a collection of James Orchard in a collection by James Archard Hallowell. Yeah, my computer's getting much louder. So, Three Blind Mice is, again, one that I was lied to about. I was told it was about the Queen, Queen Mary doing that. We connect. We detected a slow internet trying to load your content and is doing it very slowly. It is not my internet. Any, mini miny, mo. I did not think of that as a nursery rhyme. That's just something you, it's like, to help you pick something. Any, mini miny, mo. Let's see. I didn't actually read this at all. Current version. Huh. Any, mini miny, mo. Catch a tiger by the toe. If he hollers, let him go. Any, mini miny, mo. Oh. Click here to share your email with EA. Um, I will not do so. I will Okay, whatever. I clicked it. it. Nothing happened. Okay. Oh, there we go. Place order. Confirming order. Thank you. An email receipt has been sent to you. I now own Star Wars Battlefront 2 on Epic Game Store. Anyway, back to back to Any Mini Miny Mo. Origins. The first record of a similar rhyme called the Hannah Man is from is from about 1815 when children in New York were said to have repeated the rhyme that's not I can't pronounce any of that let me scroll down none of these versions I can pronounce wait oh American and British versions that might help I can read these I'm sure some versions of this rhyme use the racial slur oh instead of tiger um Okay, so apparently the original American version went any mini miny mo catch an inward by the toe. If he squeals let him go, any mini miny mo. Mm -hmm. 
so yeah um that that went a totally different direction than i thought that was going to go this version was similar to that reported by Henry Carrington Bolton as the most common version among American school children in 1888. Wow. It was used in the chorus of Burton Fitzgibbon's 1906 song, Any Meeny Miney Moe. And then it includes it again. It is also used by Rudier. Kipling and his Counting Out song from Land and Sea Tales for Scouts and Guides, published in 1935. The world was a very different place. This may help to this may have helped popularize this version in the United Kingdom, where it was seen to replace all earlier versions until the late 20th century. Uh, Iona and Peter Opie pointed out in the Oxford Dictionary of Nursery Rhymes in 1951 that the word the, the word N-word was common in American folklore but unknown in any English traditional rhyme or proverb. This combined with evidence of various other versions of the rhyme in the British Isles predating this post-slavery version, which seemed to suggest that it originated in North America, although apparently the American word holler was first recorded in written form in England in the 14th century, whereas, according to the Oxford English Dictionary, the the N-word was first recorded in England in the 16th century with their current disparaging meaning. The Ola and Toe were, are found as nonsense words in the, some 19th century versions of the rhyme. Variations there are considerable variations in the lyrics of the rhyme, including from early 20th century in the United States of America, including the, you know, the one that we're familiar with, the Tiger version. During the Second World War, an AP dispatch from Atlanta, Georgia, uh, reported Atlanta children were heard reciting this wartime rhyme, where they, uh, the, the line was changed to catch the, empire, uh, catch the emperor by his toe. If he hollers, make him stay. I surrender to the USA. A distinct version of the rhyme in the United Kingdom collected in the 1950s and 1960s is... Uh, it's basically the, the different version. Uh, okay, all these versions are different. Ah, controversies. Hmm, I can't imagine what controversy would arise from this song. In 1993, a high school teacher in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, provoked a student walkout when she said, in reference... To, to poor test performance, what do you do? Go any, mini, mini, mo. Catch the original American version. The school district's uh, superintendent recommended the teacher lose three days of pay, undergo racial sensitivity training, and have a mem memorandum detailing the incident placed in her personal file. Uh, a jocular use of the form of the rhyme in the Southwest Airlines flight by a Southwest Airlines flight attendant, encouraging passengers to sit down so the plane could take off, led to a 2003 lawsuit charging the airline with intentional in, intentional infliction of emotional distress and negligent inf infliction of emotional distress. Two versions of the rhyme were attested on board, both any mighty mighty mo. Place it down, it's time to go. 
and pick a seat it's time to go. The passengers in question were African American and stated that they were humiliated due to what they called the racist history of the Ram Yah. A jury returned the verdict in favor of Southwest and the plaintiff's appeal was denied. In May 2014, an unbroadcast outtake of BBC monitor, uh, motoring show Top Gear showed presenter Jeremy Clarkson reciting the rhyme and deliberately mumbling the line in which some took to, to be catch the n-word by his toe. In response to the accusations of racism, Clarkson apologized to viewer that his attempts to obscure the line weren't quite good enough, but he still said it. Just he he was sorry that people heard it. He wasn't sorry that he said it. That's no. In twenty seventeen the retailer Primark pulled a t shirt from its stores that featured the first line of the rhyme as spoken by the Walking Dead character Negan, overlaid with an image of his of his baseball bat. A customer minister Ian Lucraft complained the t shirt was fantastically offensive and claim the imagery uh, relates directly to the practice of assaulting black people in America. Well, actually, in their defense, that actually happened on the show where he had the bat and went any, many, miny, mo. So, it was a direct reference to the show and I'm not sure everyone knew the history. I didn't know the history until I read it just now. You got my live reaction when I found out. I didn't know about that. Cultural significance. Oh, this should be good. There are many scenes in books, films, plays, cartoons, and video games in which a variant of any mini is used by a character who is making a choice, either for serious or com comedic effect. Notably, the rhyme has been, been used by killers to choose victims in the 1994 film Pulp Fiction and Natural Born Killers. The 2003 film Elephant and the sixth season finale of AMC television series The Walking Dead. I just said that. <laughs> and Let the Tiger Go, a documentary on tiger conservation released on YouTube in, in 2017. The poem is read by Alan Rabinowitz. An advocacy for ending the poaching of tigers for their body parts. The very title of the documentary is implied to be an allusion to the poem in okay, music. The vinyl release of Radiohead's album OK Computer 1997 uses the words any, many, miny, mo ra rather, rather than letter or numbers on labels of sides A, B, C, and D, respectively. Any, many records is a Los Angeles-based music record label. And it shows a bunch of songs that use the title. Alright, and the rest is basically, it's like, they mention it in Looney Tunes a few times. So yeah, like, <laughs> I did not expect any mini mini mo to be this in-depth. I figured it would be like, hey, it started on this, and it meant that. Uh, I actually probably spent more time on this than anything else. Hang on, I'm going to set this to install while I sail. Hey, if you're listening to this before January 21st. 2021 at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Battlefront 2 Celebration Edition is available for free on the Epic Game Store. It says sale ends January 21st, 2021 at 11 a.m. So, there's that. Anyway, 
Moving on. I have three more. Wait. Yes, three. Oh, wait, no. Swiping away the any mini miny. I have two more. <laughs> Old Mother Hubbard. I will. I will be honest. I don't know anything about Old Mother Hubbard. I just. It just sounds familiar. Isn't that the one who lived in the shoe? No. No, I can tell right away that she's not. <laughs> uh. That was a book. It was based on a cottage in. Old Mother Hubbard went to the cupboard to give the poor dog a bone. When she came there, the cupboard was bare, so the poor dog had none. She went to the baker's to buy him some bread. When she came back, the old dog was dead. She went to the undertaker's to buy him a coffin. And when she came back, the old dog was laughing. That sounds familiar, but I don't recognize it. This is following. This is followed by a series of quatrains in similar format relating to the pair's further activities. The number of stanzas varying in later publications. However, there is evidence to suggest that only the continuation after the first three stanzas was the work of Miss Martin. A review of her work was a, a, that appeared in the Guardian of Education praised this little book, the poetry of which, of ancient date, we can recollect. At this distance of time, that in our infant days, the story of this renowned woman, though full of inconsistencies, we confess, afforded us much entertainment. Since the, re since the reviewer, Sarah Schremer, was born in 1741, that would date back to the poem, the, the rhymes earlier version, 50 years or more. The musical, a musical variant of the introductory verses is set was set by Samuel Arnold in his Juvenile Amusements, 1797. Except that it is not the dog, but the poor children who are the subjects of Mother Hubbard's charity. Another song in Arnold's work was, There was an old woman who lived in a shoe. Ah, let's find some of familiar. by the same person. Which had been given two final lines. But yeah, apparently, there's a house here. There's a picture of a house. Old Mother Hubbard's cottage said to be where the, the Rams original lived. So Old Mother Hubbard was a real person. Which I would probably be more shocked about if I actually remembered this. <laughs> Alright, last one. Which I did kind of go through, and it sounded darker than... It does sound really dark. The uh, the original of this is really dark, and I, even as a kid, I'm like, why are you reading this to me? I'm gonna read read this really dark nursery rhyme that I I'm pretty sure wasn't meant for kids. Rockabye baby on the treetop. When the wind blows, the cradle will rock. When the wind when the well it says when the bell breaks, the cradle will fall, and down will come baby, cradle and all. <laughs> heard that as a kid and I'm like why are you why why are you reading this to me did I do something wrong the version from Mother Goose's medleys and or sonnets for the cradle London 19 I mean wow 1791 contains the wording hush of my baby on the treetop the version from songs for the nursery it's, it's just so in different versions alternate lyrics all right I'm gonna skip down to 
Origins. Okay, history. The Oxford Dictionary of Nursery Rhymes identifies the rhyme as the first American poem written on American soil, suggesting it dates from the 17th century and that it may have been written by an English colonist who observed the way the native the uh, observed the way Native American women rocked their babies in birch bark cradles, which were suspended from the branches of trees, allowing the wind to rock the baby to sleep. The words appeared in print in England around 1765. Hmm. In Derbyshire, England, local legend has it that the song relates to a local character in the late 18th century, Betty Kenny, or Kate Kennion, who lived with her husband Luke and their eight children on a huge yew tree uh, in Shining Cliff's wo Shining Cliff Woods in the Derwent Valley, where a hollowed-out burrow served as a cradle. Yet another theory has it that the lyrics refer to events immediately preceding the Glorious Revolution. The baby is supposed to be one of James the Seventh and the Second. Wow, my phone charger got caught on something. The <laughs> who was widely believed to be someone else's child smuggled into the birthing room in order to provide the Roman Catholic heir for child for James. The wind may be that Protestant wind or force blowing or coming from the ne Netherlands bringing James' nephew and son-in-law, William of Orange, who would eventually dis uh, depose King James II in the, in the Revolution, the same Protestant wind that had saved England from the Spanish Armada a century earlier. The cradle is the royal, the royal House of Stuart. The earliest recorded version of the words in print appeared with a footnote. This may serve as a warning to, to be the proud and ambitious who climb so high that they generally fall at last which may be read as supporting a satirical meaning. Yet another theory is that the song is based around the 17th century ritual that took place after a newborn baby had died. The mother would hang the baby, would hang the child from a basket on, the, on a branch of a tree and waited to see if it would come back to life. Wait. Wow, okay, that, that got really dark there. <laughs> Um, the line, when the bell breaks, the baby will fall, which suggests that the baby was dead weight, so he so heavy enough to break the branch. Yet another theory is that the song is from the 17th century British Navy to describe the treetop or cradle now commonly referred to as the crow's nest. The powder boys, or the cabin boys, had to climb up to keep lookout. If you keep in mind that this was the highest point of the ship and read the lines with this thought, the nursery rhyme makes perfect sense. When the wind breaks, the cradle will fall. The highest point of the ship will rock the most. When the bow breaks, the cradle will fall. The bow, the bow is the front of the ship, and the bow breaking describes the front of the ship breaking over a wave. And down will come baby, cradled and all. It was almost commonplace for the cradle would be breaking in the storm. Another possibility is that the words began with as a dangling rhyme, one used while the baby is being swung about and sometimes tossed and caught. An early dangling rhyme 
is quoted in the Oxford Nursery Rhyme book, which has some similarity. Catch him crow, carry him kite, take him away till the apples are ripe. When they are ripe and ready to fall, here comes baby apples and all. Whoop whoop. <laughs> that last part. Publication. The words first appeared in print in Mother Goose's Melody, London around 1765, possibly published by John Newberry, and was and which was reprinted in Boston in 1785. Rockabye, was, was as a phrase, was first recorded in 1805 in Benjamin's Benjamin Tabart's song for the nursery, 18 London 1805. Yeah. So, wait. It says Rockabye song, and oh, <laughs> Rockabye is a song by British electronic group Clean Bandit. I did not know Clean Bandit was British. I I actually really like that song, Rockabye. <laughs> it should have won Song of the Year that year. That's all I'm gonna say. I've literally gotten into arguments with people when I tell them that. When I say I don't like the song that actually won that year, and they get all mad at me. And I say, Do you think that song should win, or do you think Rockabye should win? Rockabye had a better message. And they're like, You just don't understand music! Okay. <laughs> yeah, I. Those are the, those are the ones I, I looked up to read about. Uh, I'm sure there's more. I, <laughs> I was already starting to yawn whenever I was, I was starting, I was like getting ready to record. I was like, mm, should I do this? No. Yeah, I want to. I just, I just want to do it. So, oh, before I go, I want to talk about, I, I posted this on Twitter also. I, I had the merch shop I was talking about and I actually, I bought two shirts. I bought one, uh, my friend Paige. I, uh, her, her podcast, Reverie, True Crime, she's, I'm always gushing about her show on here, and if you follow me on Twitter, you'll see that we're always, we're always messaging back and forth on, like, tweeting back and forth, and we're messaging, but, like, you don't see that, and it's like, all you have to do is look, you, you can clearly see we're privately messaging, just look at her profile, <laughs> no, but, yeah, like, we're tweeting back and forth at each other, and, like, I bought, I bought a shirt of, uh, one of her shirts, and... Uh, I figured I bought I bought one of mine with my logo on it for uh, it's a kind of test. It's, it's kind of like a tester shirt to kind of see how I like it. And I was honestly impressed because I have used a thing like this before. I because I have a I think I mentioned on here I have a blog ministry Fig Tree Reborn, and I went through a site I forgot what site it was, and it was something similar, but it was I could tell it, I didn't like the like. Like, just using the site, it was, like, the quality of it, and I didn't like it. But I was like, I bought a shirt just, just to see, and it did not come out good at all. Like, on the site, it looked good. Like, on the mock-up they had, like, they have, like, a picture of a shirt, and then you slap a logo on it, and it looks good. You know, it's the right size and everything, but, like, on... When I actually got it, it was the wrong size. It was kind of kind of transparent. You almost couldn't see it. It was kind of faded. And it was like off centered and the wrong size and 
and and then I contacted them like well this is what you gave us like that's not what you showed me and it turned into this big thing and I, just, I, I deleted that account like I'm not using this site the site I use for this is called yes <laughs> uh, you, you think I would remember this okay I will because I have on my I didn't really look. Um, okay, merch shop. It is called T Public. <laughs> I have a whole merch shop on there. I have and it was really cool. I just uploaded the logo trans I just uploaded a Oh, and there's a sale going on. I didn't even see that. Huh, there's a sale for the next four hours. So Yeah. <laughs> So, it's an automatic sale. I had no say on it. So, yeah. Uh, if this will load, I can show you some of the things I have. Oh, it's right there on the side. I got a t-shirt, but there's also tank tops, hoodies, crewnecks, an ad popped up. <laughs> um, t-shirts, tank tops, hoodies, crewnecks, sweatshirts, long sleeve t-shirts, baseball shirts. Kids t-shirts, kids hoodies, kids long sleeve t-shirts, onesies, masks, wall art, notebooks, mugs, pillows, totes, tapestries, pens, phone cases, laptop cases, stickers, and magnets. I was going to say I did that in one breath, but I'm pretty sure I breathed halfway through. But anyway, that's everything that's on there. And I, my only disappointment is the hoodies. I wanted a hoodie with my logo on it, but for some reason, I don't know why... Because if you see, if you notice, my logo, it's, you know, it's very colorful and it has a white background. But for some reason on the hoodie, it only does black. It doesn't do, when, on all these shirts, like those t-shirts, you can do, it, like the default is white. But like, you can, it comes in like different colors or whatever. But like, the default is, is that. I want a hoodie. But for some inexplicable reason that I do not know why, and I, I contacted them and they're just like, sorry for the inconvenience. They're like, no, fix it. The hoodie only comes in black. And I couldn't make it white no matter what I did. So, there's that. Wait, classic zip hoodie. Let's see. That's black. Lightweight hoodie. Black. Okay, well, that is literally my only complaint with T Public. Everything else is great. Like I got the two shirts; they're both, um, you know, you know, the right size and everything. Because I wear an XL. Hopefully, less than that soon. Because uh, I've been losing weight. I don't even know how. I mean, I kind of know how. Like I've been eating better and walking more, but like. I'm not doing much different than I was doing. <laughs> I've lost like 30 pounds in the last few months. But anyway, I'm still wearing a size XL. So I figured, you know, I'm losing all this weight. I'll go down a size. But I ordered XL and they fit perfect. They're very comfortable. Like they're soft. <laughs> well, that's another thing. I don't remember that other site I used for the, the, blog, the uh, blog ministry merchandise. The shirt that came was really rough. It's kind of itchy when I put it on. So, like, everything about that site sucked. And I don't even remember. I can't even tell you the name of it to warn you not to go on there. And it's probably a good thing. I'd say it and they'd sue me. And 
And then I'd be like, I don't know, I wasn't talking about you. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Um, merch store, I'll put the link in the description. Well, this isn't YouTube. I mean, unless you're watching this on YouTube, then it is YouTube. <laughs> I'll put the link in the show notes, and the link will be in the description on YouTube. In fact, I added it to my link tree. Speaking of link tree, I, I went ahead and I registered a domain for the website. So, the the dash digressor dot com is up. I kind of don't want to release it now. I mean, it's published and up. It's just I wasn't going to start sharing it yet because I'm not I'm not fully done setting it up. I went ahead and set a page for every episode, and I haven't filled it in yet. I just like really quick made a quick page with just the links to the like Stitcher and everything, and then like the title and like the and, like the episode description. But I haven't put all the extra information in there yet. I'm going to do that at some point. But I figured I'll go ahead and tell people about the website. Like, hey, it's not done, but here it is. <laughs> so that's a thing. Um, what else? I. No, I think that's it for now. Um, yeah, I will end the episode here. And yeah.